Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Progressive Bitcoiner. I'm your host, Trey Walsh, and today we have on the show Ben Ark and Rabble, and we talk all things Noster and social media in this episode. For those of you that know them, but if you don't, Rabble was one of the early creators and worked a lot on what would become known as Twitter, which he talks about, uh, and actually employed Jack Dorsey and worked with this whole crew on kind of the early stages of what would go on to become Twitter. Um, and Rabble also has a Noster client called Nost Social, which we talk about as well. And he's been in the space um, a lot, doing a lot of things in social media and just coding and developing and really building in this space. So really excited to be able to talk with him and have his expertise on. And Ben Ark is also on as well to talk all things Noster and created a Noster Twitter clone and worked in the early days with Fiat Jaff on all things Noster and works on Ellen Bits and all sorts of cool lightning and Bitcoin hardware and software wallet stuff. So this is a really, really fun episode for me. And we got to talk all things social media and Noster, as I mentioned, but also all things just society and how we interact with each other and connect with each other around the world. And it got a bit philosophical as well towards the end. And we could have kept going on and on and on. And uh, I'd be excited to do another episode with these two great guys. Uh, so really hope you enjoy the episode. And as always, you can reach out to me with any feedback on the episode. You can reach me at hello at progressivebitcoiner.com and be, able to, be sure to follow along with Ben and Rabble on their work as well in the show notes. Um, all right, well, I hope you enjoy the episode and we'll see you again next week. Ben, Rabble, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? Pretty oh, great. Good. Awesome. We're synchronized coffee drinking yes. then. Yeah. Very different, <laughs> very different time zones, but both uh, drinking coffee. This is this is this for is different fun. reasons. Uh, yeah. A boost in the morning for Rabble and a boost in the afternoon for me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, cool. So a lot of folks listening will probably know who you both are. Um, some might not. I mean, our podcast is kind of pulling in ideally some some folks that are kind of in the the mainstream normie world, maybe not involved in a lot of these social media, Noster, Bitcoin conversations. So before we go, go in too far, do you both want to introduce yourself? And maybe we could start with you, Ben. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Ben Ark. I work on a free and open source wallet account system in Bitcoin called Alan Bits, which is predominantly Lightning based. Um, then we have an extension framework. So we're able to roll out a lot of cutting edge stuff. Um, and one of those extensions, a marketplace, was one of the things which went into influencing the creation of Nostar. So I was very keen on Nostar early on. Um, and I was quite involved in the community, made the first kind of Twitter clone of Nostar and then bagnostar.com. Um, and uh, we have a bunch of Nostar extensions in LMBits as well, which I'll probably talk about a little bit later on. But yeah, just been, um, been around Nostar for a while and um, took a little break for a while. Uh, but then when we had that Nostar renaissance at the beginning of the year, um, Suddenly, all our Nostar projects had a lot of momentum, so that's been great to to see them evolve and, and develop. Yeah, awesome, Rabble. Over to you. Yeah, so I'm um, I'm Rabble. I've been around the the space of trying to build uh, social media apps and protocols for a long time. I was the uh, first employee and sort of lead developer at Odeo, which is the company that uh, where Jack. Dorsey also worked where we pivoted from making a podcasting app to making Twitter. And uh, uh, through that work and others, you know, Twitter had this giant careening sort of thing of, is it an open protocol? Is it a centralized platform? And there were times in which it was very open. And as it became more centralized, we kept looking for open alternatives. 
And so that's how I came across the secure scuttlebutt protocol about six or seven years ago, which was one of the inspirations that Fiat Joff used for making Noster. And so um, I originally discovered Noster not because of the Bitcoin stuff at all, but because it was one of the protocols uh, inspired by Secure Scuttlebutt that would give us an, an open protocol social ecosystem. And now I make an app called Nos Social, Nos.Social, which is a Noster app. And um, yeah, really excited. Awesome. Thanks to you both. And so obviously this this podcast is the progressive Bitcoiner, but the more conversations I have, the more I, I get into the space and have these conversations, the more excited I get about freedom tech in general, um, decentralized tech, decentralized internet. So a lot of those conversations are, are being had through here and many other, many other Bitcoin type podcasts and Bitcoiners care a lot about this. And I would argue everyone should, should care about this. So um, ben, starting with you, so you do a lot of Lightning development, Bitcoin development. Where and how do you see the connection between things like Noster and between the spirit of things like Bitcoin? Um, I mean, I think it's important to remember that Noster isn't Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, yep. And early on in the Telegram group, we there was a couple of Bitcoiners who were doing their usual Bitcoin ranting um, who actually kicked off the Telegram group for talking too much about mm, Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite funny. But obviously it's built predominantly by Bitcoiners, um, but it's an absolute pleasure to have non-Bitcoiners come into the Nostar space mm -hmm. and then bring all their energy um, and then all their, their, their different perspective as well. Um, but the clearly, I mean, micropayments, being able to make, you know, tiny little transactions um, via through a social network is incredibly powerful. Um, and when you're looking at censorship resistance, like the project which we work on, uh, one of the projects is a Nostar market and being able to have censorship resistant micropayments without trusted third parties and without the need to sacrifice your personal information um, when buying things on a marketplace peer-to-peer uh, -peer is, I think, is very important. Um, so it goes, uh, Bitcoin isn't, no, Nostar's not Bitcoin, but, you know, they go together like bread and butter. Um, but I would like to see uh, some more diverse payment methods um, within Nostar. Mm -hmm. I'd certainly like to see Zaps improved. Um, I think they're a very powerful technology, but I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they just go very well together. Um, and it's hard to fight uh, using Bitcoin in Nostar, mm -hmm. even though originally we intended them to be kind of separate. Mm -hmm. Nostar was like our little holiday from Bitcoin at yeah, one yeah. point. Yeah, it's like, oh, keep working on Bitcoin, but we need something. There's always new and exciting things to build in Bitcoin, but I completely agree. And, um, and you know, I listened to your recent episode on uh, Peter McCormack's show too. And I'll try not to repeat too much of that, but for folk, you know, go back and listen to that episode too. I think it's, it's really good. And, and one of the things you say is, you know, have, have shit coiners on Nostra, have so many different people on Nostra and continuing to, to push that message that, you know, Nostra and Bitcoin is, is separate and is a, a different thing. Um, and Nostra is one of those things that right now, I think it still is in a, I don't mean this negatively, but a, in an echo chamber, right? It's such a small yeah, it, community. I can't, it, yeah, absolutely. It can't be a Bitcoin echo chamber. Yeah. We went to um, the Freedom Forum in Oslo and I was onboarding activists and Nostar makes, clearly makes a lot of sense to activists. But as soon as they would open a Nostar client, you would just be a load of Bitcoiners talking Bitcoin shit and they were really put off by it. So um, Rabble has some great work on that, on, on trying to connect people properly so they actually engage with the people they're interested in. Um, so yeah, it's 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 currently it's it's kind of an issue that it is a bit of an echo chamber, but um, that it will all improve. It's they're all problems we can't not solve. Yeah, 
And that was going to pivot to my next point, uh, Rabble, is some of the things you've been talking about and working on. And you're super, obviously, I think both of you, but uh, Rabble especially, have a vested interest in just social media in general, like seeing all the different phases and versions of what social media has looked like over the past several years, uh, even before that with different cypherpunk movements. So so for you, you know, you, we can talk Blue Sky, Mastodon, like all these different instances. So how do you think about this world of not only Noster, but just decentralized social media and, you know, the, the connections that you're trying to make between, you know, everyday people, but also people who are using all these different platforms? How do you, how do you approach this work? So, you know, I, I think that for a long time, those of us who are working on decentralized social media protocols were, you know, off in the obscure edges of GitHub, basically, mm-hmm. like, no, no one, you know, everyone's like, well, those are all interesting. Those are, those are fun to play with, but you know, there's someone who rewrote the gopher protocol as a web alternative. <clears throat> and a lot of the decentralized social stuff sort of felt similar to that. And then, but we were always saying, no, it's a real problem that our digital spaces, our public spaces are one exist for surveillance and advertising and two essentially controlled like a shopping mall that that mm. we don't have any rights to. And so I'm, you know, I we've been working on Nostra and I, I there's a lot of it which I really, really like. But my overall goal is that we get decentralized social protocols that are community controlled so that we can have a commons that isn't controlled by the state. And so, mm. you know, or monopoly corporations. And and I think that Noster is going to bring that, but I think that we're going to get interoperability. You know, just yesterday, uh, I was uh, did a PR for the NOS app that lets you, when you put in a username to search, can look up any Mastodon user and follow them just as easily as any Noster user using mm-hmm. Alec Gleason's gateway. And it's like actually not hard. Like it took an afternoon of coding so that Noster is just a, you know, the Noster app works as part of the Fediverse, but where you really control your data and where you can build applications on top of it. And so it gets us that larger community because you know, I went and sat down with dinner with some folks last week, showed them Noster, walked them through it, and they're like, ugh, Bitcoiners. Whereas, <laughs> you know, they wouldn't be opposed to the stuff that let you use lightning money, lightning payments to raise money and fund stuff and, and use, they don't want to oppose to using it, but they don't want to hear about it. It's not their community. It's not their culture. And so we need to figure out how to get that new user experience, that app experience, that user discovery experience that let people find their own people. And, you know, it, you know, to me, good financial payments and a good financial system, that's useful. I'm glad it's there. Like, but uh, I'm not there because of it. And I think most mm-hmm. people are not going to be there because of it. Most people are going to be there because they're into swing dancing or whatever it is that's their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's so true. And, and you know, I want to break down to a, a couple of ones. So first of all, I mean, a lot of what we try to do is just have these conversations, but I also try to interject every now and again and say, okay, our, our audience here and kind of our, our ideal audience, our niche space is talking to progressives, people on the left, uh, people more in the mainstream, maybe aren't as technical or aren't 
already in, you know, that, that Bitcoin dominant culture or a right wing Bitcoin culture in the U S that, that kind of thing. So a lot of, I'll just speak for myself, a lot of my, my friends, myself and my wife, many others really just frustrated with Elon Musk, with Twitter, with all of these things that we're seeing with social media. And so for me, there's a natural connection between a decentralized web built for advocates, protesters, just people who want control over their own media, their own social experience, all of this, and something like Noster or those kind of open protocols. But a lot of folks on the left can also start to, these narratives pick up quickly. It picked up with Bitcoin being, you know, for criminals, for right wing, you know, quote unquote, free speech apps in the U.S. get designated as a right wing cause too far too often, right? From, from the left happen? mainstream and the right. Well, I think, well, I mean, gosh, it probably happened forever ago in a lot of ways, but, it, you know, a lot of it kind of progressed a lot with Donald Trump speaking about truth social and saying, well, I we am being discriminated against on other platforms. So come to this other application, which also has the, all the same problems, right? All the same mechanisms of, of control and can be turned off and on, all of those kinds of things. So you, there's a lot of people on the left that would probably be fed up with Twitter X um, and then navigated to something like Blue Sky, right? Um, which I've dabbled with, played around with a little bit. And I think there's different issues with Blue Sky than Noster um, and both have different issues they're, they're facing. So when you think about progressives or the left or people that care about those certain values and social media experiences, how do you try to articulate it to them? And then, you know, Rabble too, I know you've engaged a lot with, with Blue Sky versus Noster. Um, how do you see the differences in terms of the challenges both of those protocols face? Well, so, we talked about the challenges of Noster, but the, the challenges of Blue Sky too. The, the, the challenge, I mean, the fascinating thing is a lot of the underlying goals of the technologists working on Blue Sky and Noster are the same. Like the Blue Sky team has been working on decentralized social protocols for a long time. They also worked on secure Scuttlebutt and were inspired on it by it, just like Piatjoff. Um, they want this open protocol. They want there not to be a organization that's deciding what speech should or shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. um, but Blue Sky started out from a top-down perspective. You know, think of it kind of like java or android or you know the you know even maybe the linux kernel where it's very tightly controlled who's doing it and how it's being run whereas noster because of its cultural origins in the bitcoin community started out open by default mm -hmm. and is the bizarre and so you know it in many ways that's created different sets of problems we have bigger problems with spam and you know shitcoin airdrop spam and a bunch of other stuff like that and and abusive behavior on Noster but we also can build so many kinds of apps on Noster like mm -hmm. Noster is a platform that is so much more open whereas Blue Sky can't turn on federation and they can't turn on the openness because their community is freaked out about it and they want they want a better Twitter and so mm -hmm by structures of how we've worked, we have very different sets of problems. You know, the, the Noster community needs to figure out how to make a safer space and how to let people have safer spaces. Not to say that you can't have your speech, just like I can choose what community I'm participating in. Whereas the Blue Sky community and the Blue Sky creators need to figure out how to make their space more open and mm -hmm. uh, sort of 
take down some of those sort of walls that kept it safe um, and replace it with things that people can run themselves. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I I tell people just in common language, what you said was in very common language, but also saying like Noster is a bit of the wild west approach. And then blue sky, from what I can tell started with that moderation first, right? People wanted to replicate and replace Twitter with the speech they wanted. Um, at least that's the way the community ha- has come off. Yeah, and I, I think, think some people have had worse experiences than me. But developers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We hear that a lot um, for sure. And I think that that's clear to see. Um, ben, with you, I know you're building a lot, um, obviously in, in Bitcoin Lightning, but also in Nostra. I know you're talking about the the marketplace, which we can we can get into if you want. But in terms of what Rabble said about that, you know, holding those things in tension. Um, you on the Noster side of things, what's kind of the benefit of this openness and what are some of the different types of things being built on Noster? And I've started to use the language of like Noster social rather than, because I want people to understand too, like Noster isn't just social media. And some have argued, I don't know if Ben, you have argued this, but some have argued social will be just one little piece and probably one of the smaller things that Noster will eventually do as really a communication protocol um, in, in large part. So it's not just like, oh, Noster is Twitter you know, no, this is just one of the lowest hanging fruit, in my opinion, uh, with it. But what are some of the things being built on Noster and, and talked about? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you're very right that the, the social side might not be the, the killer app or whatever, but, you know, might not be the most used function or the most thing, used thing, which is built on top of Noster. Um, I think having like peer-to-peer commerce without a trusted third party in the middle is is pretty powerful. And there's some people who think that that might be the killer app, but then there might be, you know, Maybe it's Uber, you know, maybe mm. it's, uh, I don't know. Um, there's a whole bunch of different use cases you could you could use for uh, Nostar. But I think it's that when you give someone autonomy, um, and it's like the way I think of Nostar, you know, it's like a, you have a cityscape and there's certain parts of the city which you're going to go to and it's safe and um, you won't get in trouble. And there's other parts of the city which you shouldn't go to <laughs> and some very dark and scary streets which you probably try and avoid. And when you give people the autonomy just to move freely um, within that cityscape, then um, they could find themselves in places they don't really want to be. So it's that's there for people who may look for it, but it, it should be made. Um, they should it should be made very aware of where they're going um, and the, their journey and, and the sorts of streets which they. Yeah, they might they might in fact find themselves yeah. uh, uh, going down. But I want a very vanilla Twitter experience. I don't want to see any anything horrible. Um, and I think the, the relay system is very powerful for that. You could I could just subscribe to re- some relays and they'll have moderation policies. But the, I think the point is that you don't know when you have like a walled garden, some of these walled gardens like like Twitter, um, you don't know what their moderation policies, you don't know what their algorithms are. Um, and that's troublesome. So like I have noticed, and I'm not being conspiratorial here, I've done a, a little bit of uh, research with it, that if you just write the word Noster in a tweet, mm-hmm. like that tweet really doesn't get much traction. Whereas if I split up the word Nostra in just into separate characters, then it, it seems to do a lot better. So maybe that is a keyword. Did you say that oh, on Peter's yeah. podcast, by the way, Ben? You, you yeah, might have. Yeah. yeah. So since then, because I posted a couple of things that I, I've really personally, it, it's still there. I put it on private. But before that, I was still posting to my personal Twitter. We have a pod Twitter as well. Um, and I would post mainly just Nostra articles. Like I wrote a Nostra article for Bitcoin Mag. I've been trying to tell people about Nostra just being just completely fed up with Elon and this kind of system. And I started splitting up the word and I've seen, I saw double the engagement. I mean, it's still relatively small and much smaller since Elon took over, but you're 100% right about that. It's not conspiratorial. 
Yeah, but it's but you just don't know. Like you don't mm. know what their moderation or algorithms are. And when you have these relays, which can be a little bit more open, um, and if if they're moderating in a way, you know, if it, for example, I was posting on Nostar and I found that um, uh, they weren't getting enough engagement, I was thinking, well, the relays I'm connected to are maybe mod- maybe filtering out some of these keywords. Then I can just choose not to use those relays. I can just be like, okay, these relays aren't good enough for me. I need something a little bit more open. Mm. Um, and uh, on that as well, I, th- I think there's a lot of room for people being able to actively select what kind of algorithm uh, they want to have yeah, access to. Yeah, we need agency to. over these um, things. Yeah, def- definitely. So, it's, so it's, when you give people autonomy, you then need to give them the tools to be autonomous in a responsible and, and safe way. And that's the thing which uh, Nostar just needs to build out. But again, it's, you know, it's perfectly plausible we can build those things out. Um, and maybe there's, you know, I'm, I'm using a... Nostar client, and I, I find that a lot of the um, maybe I'm a, an activist, and I find there's too many Bitcoiners on there, and I think oh, I don't like this algorithm, and then I, I switch to you know Rabble's algorithm, mm-hmm. and Rabble's algorithm is just we'll just do degrees of separation between people who I follow um, and then their friends, and and then I find that the content is more suitable to me. Um, so it, it's I think it opens up a whole new space of people being able to engage with. This, these vehicles which are navigating them through these streets um, and being able to actively choose where they want to go uh, with these vehicles. And that also depends on the client they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of work to be done on, on relays. Um, and uh, you know, we certainly want to spin up some relays which are really safe and vanilla and you know, something I can let my kids use, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know, how do you do that? Like, How do you moderate when you have... If you're running something... Um, for free, like how do you then moderate? How do you have the capital to moderate, or do you do you create a community of people who can can moderate posts and um, some power users can perhaps um, block certain public keys? And but then what if they you know collude and they block you know public keys for political parties which they they don't like, and then the users might like. So I think it's a really interesting I mean, like field of research and development which needs to happen. I think that it's fine that they collude and block political parties they don't like and political views they don't like. Like, I think that... Well, that's true. It could be a community based on a specific relay. Yeah. yeah. So one of the, some, some of the things that we've been building leading up to Nostrasia is we've been working with Causes.com. And Causes.com originally started out as a, a progressive uh, Facebook group. Um, and it went through mm. various iterations and stuff like that. And now we're bringing Causes to Nostr. And so... Each organization or cause, say, environment is going to have its own relay and you can go to causes and uh, request and set up your own relay. And we're building a viewer of Nostra that's relay centric. So I could say, you know, I'm one of the pilots I'm launching is uh, on protest.net. You know, protest.net is an activist calendar I started 25 years ago and I'm, you know, hacking together with the inmytown.social that the sort of meetup type Nostr app. And mm-hmm. we're going to run it at protest.net as an activist calendar that uses Nostr. And it's going to run its own relay. And its content is that's on there is only going to be events and discussions about events of people who are relevant to those topics. And, you know, I think that the long-term moderation solution is going to be the ability to plug in both AI to do detection and people, because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one of the things that's fascinating is Meta, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, those all have problems scaling because 
they're trying to scale vertically. They're trying to mm -hmm. handle the scale of a single organization handling hundreds of millions of posts a day. But if we scale horizontally in communities, communities are actually what we as people know how to handle. Like we know how to negotiate issues between different people. And so if we have, you know, a few moderators per hundred people, then those moderators can understand the community they're moderating and be accountable to them. If they're not accountable to them, we have the ability to easily fork these communities. And that's super powerful. It's kind of like GitHub made, you know, took down the power of the, the sort of benevolent dictator for life because you can easily fork a project and software and keep it going. And as long as we can fork communities, then we can hold those moderators accountable. You know, on, on Reddit, you can't hold the moderators accountable. Either Reddit, the company, mm -hmm. can take away the mod powers or the moderators could just go rogue and members of the community don't have any way to say, oh, you know, this is the same thing. Here's the same members, but we've got a new set of moderators who are going to be more accountable to what we're doing. And that, mm -hmm. you know, the ability to walk away and not lose everything is a tremendous political power that holds people accountable. What we're, we're talking about here is, is, is freedom of association, freedom of movement, isn't it? Absolutely. Which I think is the, the power of nostalgia. Yeah. It, and that's the thing which we need in society, you know, to have free and you know, people who are liberated and free. Yeah, and I think it would be really cool if if someone just showed up to a, a Noster client, showed up to, I'll use Damas for example, um, leading iOS client, um, showed up and then, okay, you start, it's like, welcome, here's your, you know, create your NPUB, whatever. Just, I've also advocated saying we need a step-by-step -step guide. I also mentioned like Duolingo, I think is a great app that has such a great step-by-step -step guide of like a cute and fun way. It's like, let's do that with like an ostrich or whatever for, for Noster. And then you say, what are your likes and interests? Like, what do you want to use this social client for? You click a couple of things, it automatically, you know, puts a couple of those relays. What, let's say just hypothetically into that. And then it says, okay, here's how you add and, you know, change different relays. Here's some suggested relays. And then also, uh, let's say there's a premium option of this exclusive relay that has content from you rabble and someone else and someone really wants to, you know, we, we need to find ways to fund and pay for these things too, because right now, the approach to development in my mind for Noster is just like, okay, a lot of devs are doing this for free. Sometimes people get little grants here and there, you know, Jack Dorsey funds something out of nowhere, but we need more ways to actually build. And this was controversial for some people build like companies that utilize Noster, but utilize these free and open protocols in the way we're describing. We, we need to legitimize this for people. And I think some people are so sucked into their own rabbit hole when I'm trying to talk to people through this podcast or just people in everyday life about what Noster is, I sometimes have to take a step back and realize how quickly, how lost they get very quickly into the conversation yep. of what Noster is. They're like, wait, 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 what relays? I have to sign it. Like, what, hold on, what are you talking about? Like, I just want to use it, a social yeah. app. It's fine to admit that, you know, within a, a commons that, that companies can operate. Um, but we, so partly the toxicity, which you see in Bitcoin, um, was a defense mechanism from when miners and big corporations tried to take control of the protocol yeah. a while back in 2017. Um, Blockchain wars, didn't people so read much. that book. Yeah, it, it, good idea. It, didn't yeah. it didn't exist so much then, and it's kind of a, a sad hang-up from that period. Mm -hmm. But um, it's funny because you had all these ANCAP Bitcoiners um, who were fighting big corporations uh, and corporate interest, um, and 
it trying to take control of the, the commons, essentially, that's what it's trying to do. Um, and I think that people just inherently understand that, yes, use this thing as much as you want to, you know, tweak their own abilities, tweak their own need, build whatever you want to do, make use of the software, make use of the, the ecosystem. But if you try and, like, co-opt it, um, and if you try and take control, then as long as you have enough freedom of movement association, then people can just move their things uh, to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it will be actively kind of, you know, attacked, I suppose, by the the, the natural immune system of the, the ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, which is pe- the ability for people to easily move between things. And that's really where Nostar is powerful is uh, um, censorship resistance um, and empowering users through just the resilience in the infrastructure of being able to easily spin up relays. Mm-hmm. Um and clients as well to see, you know, to switch clients and still have all your data. It's remarkable. The, the, the way in which you can use multiple clients at the same time with the same social data and each client maybe giving a very different perspective or providing very different functionality, but having it all work together is, is one of the superpowers of Noster and one of the reasons why it's so exciting. But the initial user doesn't really get that. And mm-hmm. our initial user experience makes like it makes sense that Bitcoiners or other folks who understand crypto got involved in Noster because the user identities and the way it works makes sense if you're used to browser extensions and keys and wallets. If you're mm-hmm. used to my user, you know, it's not my identity or my keys, it's my account on this server, which is sort of both the centralized platforms, but also how, you know, the Fediverse works. The server controls everything. If you're in that setup, then uh, we're trying to teach a lot to people. Like we're trying to teach them a lot and, and users need... Like when you're adopting a new app, it needs to do one thing. Mm-hmm. And like like people have the intellectual, like cognitive load to understand one new thing. And so we we're trying to do several new things. And so I think that that's amazing. It's part of why it's exciting. But also we need to realize that the several new things is is one of the reasons we're losing new adopters and one of the reasons people are like oh you know blue sky under the hood has keys they're just hidden behind like an insect style bunker username password that unlocks mm-hmm. it and you know then users don't have to be told this is what a wallet is this is what a key is this is what a browser extension is they just gave you bundled a key management cloud hosted key management solution with their social network and honestly that's a lot of why people are able to join it faster and more easily. Mm-hmm. I think with um, public key crypto is kind of like an inevitable step forward for for humanity. People being able to get that, wrap their heads around a private key and a public key. And I think that you know, Nostar is just a that's really the revolution is public key crypto because um, it allows things like Bitcoin, it allows things like Nostar to exist. But I, I absolutely agree that there should be kind of a, a journey to autonomy where the initial experience the user experience for some of these clients would be traditional legacy login system with a, a you know the NSX stored somewhere in some bunker but it would then you know give you the option if you want to to take full control of your keys 
um, and uh, maybe using some delegated keys or something. But there could be something of a journey there. Uh, but I do think that I mean, eventually, I mean, passwords are going to get so hard and then captures are going to get so hard that people are just going to have to get used to using public key crypto. And it, it's one of those things which, like, I mean, you've been in technology for a long time, Rabble. I mean, like, and like, actually, Twitter had some, you know, technically confusing things for people when they first engaged oh, it with it, such as hashtags hard. and ads and whatever else. But eventually, they get used to it, you know? <laughs> Somebody mentioned to me the other day, the, I mean, this isn't super technical, but I was like, oh yeah. Like when I first started using Twitter, there was the, the text to tweet options and different things like that. I mean, that's not technical, but it's just so funny to think about. And that's the tip of the iceberg. Sort of disorientating, isn't it? Yeah. You know, engaging it had, that new technology. had all these IRC like commands. So you could, you could mm -hmm. start tweets with like, you know, D, D space. And then all sorts of people would forget that it was D and not DM. And so in the early days, people kept tweeting DMs because they would be sending DMs from their SMS on their phone and they would mm -hmm. write DM and then the person's name and then what the message was. And Twitter for a while wasn't catching that people were doing DM instead of the command, which should have been just D space. So there were all these leaked DMs in the early days of Twitter because <laughs> it had this super nerdy thing like at username stuff hashtags you know retweets are just with writing rt like it had all these like codes and we were actually really good at learning codes and is part of what made it a fun game but uh eventually twitter took the behavior and made it much easier to understand so people aren't accidentally messing up their commands hmm. how do we uh, one question i think about a lot and Mike Brock and I talked about this recently, um, you know, him, him focusing on TBD and decentralized stuff. Um, how do we get, cause there, there's some decisions. So a lot of people in the Bitcoin community, when they hear like Elon's going to ask for more verification, all of these things, government's going to ask for more verification, this and that millions and millions of people, let's say in the United States, at least, uh, and around the world are going to do this without thinking twice. They're going to, they're going to go along with it. A lot of people are being born into it. Like I, I am, 30. And I remember when these things, so I'm old enough and young enough to know, oh, this is kind of weird, right? I was kind of born in a, in a cool time of the internet, I think, but just can understand a lot of people being, being born later on after that, just this is a part of everyday life. It's, it's not even thought twice. They don't buy into the dystopian narrative or buy into like, oh, opt out, use Bitcoin or opt out, use Noster, these things. Um, how do we engage with that? community right because i think there's also different selling people are trying to sell noster for for content creation for you know decentralized for censorship resistant i think there's many different ways to sell it but how do you both think about that um, let, let's say specifically in this kind of decentralized social age when a lot of people are just okay yeah elon's verifying more okay yeah we're gonna do that well facebook's doing it forever you know i have face id on my iphone it's yeah like what else <laughs> I mean, it, it's trying to solve that problem, which public key crypto solves beautifully and, and quite simply as well. Is just you know verifying their person is who they say they are and not the account hasn't been hacked. But then there is public key manage having to manage your own keys, um, which are, which is troublesome. Uh, but I just think more and more as time wears on, and we've seen it over the past few years that people appreciate that these big international spaces, public spaces like Twitter and. And, and these social networks, which are corporate controlled and operate within a you know 
the region which has certain laws or whatever. I think more and more they're discovering that walled garden is just a prison. Um, and then they just want to escape. And, and some people escape. And then when they escape to another platform, they take a bunch of users with them. Um, and uh, it's talked about you know in the media. And then mm. people go check it out. And I think that drives a lot of traffic. I do think that the the interoperability of all these clients with the data is a superpower, definitely, like Rebel said. Mm. Um, and actually, the, the one of the main gravities of, you know, traditional um, legacy uh, social networks is that as first movers, they're able to gain all these users, which just created this immense gravity. And then you have new projects, you know, new, you know, altruistic projects where they're trying to have some censorship resistance and some um, uh, freedom of movement, freedom of association. And they're hard to onboard people onto because all their friends are using these big platforms. And actually the power of Nostar, it has, I think it has, whatever emerges as a, a sort of free and open source, open alternative, um, a, a true commons, uh, interplanetary commons, not interplanetary, international, maybe interplanetary mm-hmm. one day. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think whatever emerges, it, it has to be interoperable because then it has that gravity of users, of user base. So you could, you could just build a client and then you've got access to, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of users currently. I mean, are we at a million yet users? I think we're at 500,000 active users a while back on Nostar. Um, you know, like, and perhaps it then gets to a point where something like Instagram or Twitter is like, oh, you know, if I incorporate Nostar, the Nostar protocol into our platform, we will get access to an extra 10 million users, 10 million active users. Um, and it won't be a particularly hard thing to do. So uh, we can like, seduce them into injecting that trojan into their centralized systems mm. <laughs> well and i think that we're gonna both in the centralized systems and in the the, the decentralized we're gonna see you know increasing interoperability one of the interesting parts about the matrix protocol is it for for chat and messaging is starting to become the open central hub for all these different messaging things and so you know, if you want to bridge Slack to Telegram to IRC to WhatsApp, you can do it via Matrix. And, mm-hmm. you know, what Matrix is doing is for chat and, and chat rooms and, and you know, mess- instant messaging. But what we are going to also see is similar bridging in the, the sort of more elaborate social media stuff. And so that's why, mm-hmm. you know, Noster is part of the Fediverse. Like mm-hmm. whether or not people, you know, I see maps of the Fediverse and, you know, Noster is in there because people in the Fediverse can follow Noster users and Noster users can follow Fediverse users. And there is, you know, the Blue Sky server right now isn't doesn't have Federation turned on, but there is a app protocol decentralized network running for testing. And the folks running that have built gateways and interoperability between Nostra and Blue Sky. Like the only reason mm-hmm. that isn't turned on in a way that we're seeing is because it's to the Blue Sky test net. And so I think, you know, there's there's a network effect. And the reason the web won, the reason that, you know, open source won, the reason that Linux won is that we're building, you know, we're building on top of each other. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think we need to we need to address issues of spam and being able to set up boundaries and enforce them and everything else. But I think we're also potentially getting a world where you would be crazy not to use the open alternative because mm-hmm. just like no one would go and build their software on top of a closed source proprietary programming language. Like the concept is crazy. 
mm-hmm. to say, you know, there, there are proprietary closed source programming languages out there. <laughs> Companies build them and then they try and license people to use them. But no one would trust that. Like we as developers mm-hmm. know that we wouldn't trust that because they could, you know, stop updating the language. You know, we saw all these huge court fights over Java. And so what we need to do is say, you know, no one would build a social app that doesn't take advantage of these open networks because you don't have to build it all yourself and mm-hmm. because you can take advantage of the network effect. But we need we need it to be able to have many networks and many communities and many ways of, of doing things and not just one community. It goes back to, um, you know, uh, Stallman um, with the free software movement with the, uh, you know, these developers are just sick of signing those NDAs for those big corporations and it's science, it's computer science. They want to be able to share their code. They want to be able to share their projects without having this thing constantly trying to sue them. And um, uh, what was the, the phrase? I can't remember the phrase. Uh, it was like mental, when, when you've been mentally, oh, like, I can't remember the phrase, but they would, anyway, they would, you know, even if a, a developer had worked, for a company, they was not mentally tarnished or something like that. Anyway, they they could be um, sued if they then built something after they'd worked for that company. So it all got a bit ridiculous and silly. Um, but I think the, the the point is like developers they want a permissionless development environment mm. where they don't have to ask anyone's permission. Like me, I can build you know a Bitcoin ATM or a Bitcoin point of sale. I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I just go and build the thing. It's fine. And similar with Nostar, I can just build a client. Um, and then because it's interoperable, because you have this modular. Uh, approach to protocol development and we have these nips like suddenly in amethyst when i open up my nostar client amethyst i see that i've got these video streams i've got zap.stream um video streams into in in my client and there's people talking on about these uh, videos and it's like a functionality which i haven't seen in other video uh, sorry in other social networks but it's really cool like i like going there every now and then um so it's having that permissionless development environment means you get all these minds just wanting to build stuff on top of it. And then if there's anything good, it rises to the top and all these other projects can just easily incorporate those things. Uh, marketplaces are a great one, you know, like look at Facebook market and how, um, how uh, relevant it is. And a lot of people use Facebook marketplaces, mm. something very powerful about mining a social graph with selling stuff. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, th- I think that marketplaces, you'll start to see more of them kind of, Nostar-based marketplaces creeping into um, social clients. And, and it will be more powerful than Facebook because it wouldn't be interoperable between clients, but it's permissions development, which is, uh, again, one of Nostar's uh, superpowers, uh, free and open source one, in general. One of the mm. things that <clears throat> I really notice when I talk about Nostar to non-Nostar communities, because I'm active still on Twitter and on Mastodon, Fediverse, and on Blue Sky and, and threads and everything, you know, is... There's a lot of envy over how many things are being developed and all the cool stuff happening in Nostr. Mm-hmm. You know, the Fiat Job just proposed a, like a, a subjective federated wiki where it used, you know, you know, CRDTs and it was subjective. So the, the edit of the page is based on who I know. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the events apps and all these other things in the marketplaces. And there's like so many of them and there's so much going on in Nostr uh, more than other places and other platforms. Um, So there's a lot of excitement about that and there's a lot of interest Mm -hmm. there, but we don't, we haven't built the tool that works for multiple communities. And so we, you know, 
people want to use what we're building, but the politics of some of the early users are scaring people away. And so we need that, you know, I love what Amethyst and Satellite Earth and Coracle are starting to do with communities. That's really mm -hmm. cool. I love the stuff with like, you know, community managed relays. Um, I think we need to do a lot more with lists so that I can say, this is my list of the, you know, here's my list of all these people I'm interested in, or here's my mute list. I'm just going to subscribe to the mute lists of these 10 people because I trust them, mm -hmm. you know, and that's not censorship. That's choosing who you invite in your house. I'm not yeah. saying what you're going to, you know, you can in your own house or your own venue or in your own street corner, say whatever you want. That's free speech. But autonomy also means you get to decide what you put on your device and put in, you know, mm -hmm. engage in your communities. And you know, it's not, you know, it's not a violation of First Amendment rights or free speech rights to kick the drunk person out of your house because they're being abusive at the house party, like, or mm -hmm. just because you don't like them. And so we need the ability for people using lists, using relays, communities, other things like that to make it really easy to find all of these spaces and communities because we've built a lot of the underlying apps. Like we've built a ton, rebuilt a ton of the social stack. Um, but we haven't made it easy for people to join yet. Hi, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bitbox. Now, Bitbox is a hardware wallet that's open source, incredibly secure and easy to use. And it's what I'm using to safely secure my Bitcoin in cold storage. Now, I know self-custodying Bitcoin can really be intimidating, but Bitbox is designed for ease of use without compromising on security. It's USB-C compatible and allows you to easily back up and restore your private keys with a micro SD card, which is really cool. Now you can purchase the BitBox using the promo code TPB at the link found in the show notes for 5% off your purchase. And I really want to thank BitBox for their support of the podcast. And I'm really excited about this new partnership. All right, I'll let you get back to the episode now. I, I think we still need early users that are willing to tolerate what you describe, like such as my, myself. Like when I came into Bitcoin, well, I was excited about it for a number of different reasons. And I started reading some stuff and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't align with this person politically or this book or this whatever. But I, you know, I, I, pushed through that because I'm like, this is revolutionary technology protocol. And I wasn't, I didn't have a tech background. I have like a humanities background. So I saw that same thing with Noster, right? So I am able to see past that whole, like, okay, I don't agree with them. So what? Like, like personally, but there are many people today, um, God knows into the future as well, that that is such a, uh, a hindrance. So I think we still need early users that are willing to push through that, whatever that is, um, and, and say, okay, I'm going to use this protocol in a different way or use it oriented at my community and be loud about that. Be loud about it to people on Twitter, on the, the places where they typically on blue sky, whatever, and use it for those reasons. I think we still are in that era and, and, you know, people are reading, I, I'm not sure when the initial code been with, you know, yourself or even Fiat Jeff, like late 2019 for, for Noster. When, when did kind of some of this early code, it's still so incredibly new, obviously. Um, so I think, um, I think, yeah, it's a, I think it was, I think, I think I made my Nostar uh, Twitter client and it was like, yeah, it was late 2019, but if I feel like it had been around a while, like Nostar had been around a while because mm -hmm. we had some really goofy, very developer centric uh, clients, mm -hmm. um, which were very ugly. Um, that's why I went and cloned Twitter. Cause I just thought, you know, this is, this is what normal people want. You know, yeah. they want, they want it to look nice. 
yeah <laughs> the client which they're using yeah um but yeah it's it's immense the the amount of development which has happened so quickly and i imagine a lot of it's got to do with ai as well like it's it's mm-hmm. a lot builder to build clients a lot easier to build clients now than it was before um and i think that you know yeah with those bitcoin types and free, within people within the free and open source yeah. movement i think the it's my software my rules you know and we're used to that you know we're used to having uh control over the stuff we run and we want control over the stuff we run and i do think that normal people over time are just starting to yeah. figure out and understand some of these concepts um it's just a matter of time until everyone starts drifting into a free and open source free and open source application stacks but yeah it's really phenomenal the amount of things which have been built mm-hmm. you know there, there, was Rebel, a, there was a time yeah. in which <laughs> it didn't seem like anyone was used you know, free and open source software. And now the truth of the matter is that a huge percentage of people's daily lives, especially, you know, whether it's Android or the web browsers or the entire stack, like, it, you know, we have proprietary code, but actually most of what we're using every day, most of what everyone is using every day <coughs> is open source, mm-hmm. is, is free software. And I think that people do care about it. They just, you know, it has to be easy and making it easy is hard. Um, yeah. And so we're not, we're not making it for everyone yet, but we need to, we need to walk in that direction. Yeah. It's that is the classic, classic free and open source is the ugly UI of like GIMP or something over Photoshop or <laughs> uh, LibreOffice. And you're like, can I have a ribbon on LibreOffice please? And all these open source developers are like, no, mm-hmm. we'll never have a ribbon. You're like, people like a ribbon. Just give us an easy uh, UI to work with, please. Uh, yeah. WordPress. Like, the, the, we are just always, all of us are using free and open source. And, and this is why these big proprietary companies, which initially tried to fight free and open source, like Microsoft, are now big free and open source uh, contributors because they have to be. It's, and um, probably similar in closed systems when it comes to social networks as well. Is this, they, It's not going to be a choice. Like They're going to have to engage with them and incorporate them into their business models. And there's still money to be made. It's just don't try and co-op the, 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 the whole protocol. Don't try and co-op the whole ecosystem. Um, like Twitter could be a very successful company on Nostar, mm-hmm. you know, or on Blue Sky, you know, because there's still plenty of room for it to make money, you know, mm-hmm. still got a big user base. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, one of the things that I think about when I think about Bitcoin, especially when I think about the idea of like progressive Bitcoin is, you know, the idea of an autonomous financial system and an autonomous currency dates back so that the current credit unions and mutual aid societies, credit unions that exist. And there are credit unions that are very large. And the current mm. uh, like agricultural co-ops, there's huge numbers of agricultural co-ops. Both of those date from anarchist unions in the 1840s who mm-hmm. said, we need to set up our own financial system that's autonomous from the government and autonomous from capital. And they built it there and they, they built all these things that weren't, directly trying to replace the state they were saying we're going to come together and we're going to build our own institutions we're going to make our own banks essentially Mm -hmm. and that's not too different than what a bunch of people are trying to do today you know the that it was with you know physical credit unions that had safes that held money and then lent it out but today the you know the attempt of making an, a, an autonomous financial system that could be community controlled is you know it's boy 
we're also seeing very messy stuff with, you know, every scam and capitalism, but we're seeing the potential for a reviving of an alternative of a community-controlled progressive financial system that has been experimented with for almost 200 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's these um, underlying currents. So so for me, I came into this space such a like sociology background, political theory background. That's the way I approach a lot of this. And that's being pulled in intention with the cypherpunk movement and studying more of that. So I still lean towards, and sometimes I enjoy having conversations like this because I hear from open source developers and there's this, I think, inherent optimism that I, I would say you both carry. I think there's a bit of like, oh, we need this to be open source and open and free. So there's a bit of anger and frustration, right? When you see different forces trying to fight against that. But in, inherently in open source development, I see just such, such optimism, already the the things that have been won and, and winning out and why it feels like a lot of these things are inevitable because of how great they work, how, how focused they are. But for me, I'm constantly looking the, at the political landscape and the world stage as well with a lot of battles, whether it's, um, you know, in, encrypted uh, messaging and all of these different things. And I think there's an underlying current within global populations and, and things of just people feeling uh, unsettled, whether, I mean, we talk about this with Bitcoin a lot, like constantly ravaging inflation and people are getting very frustrated in their daily lives. So they're looking to put that on other things, right? And the government's then utilizing that in a way to say, this is the, the source of your problems, right? This is why this technology is dangerous. This is why. And so people are, are projecting that onto other things. That is still my fear with, uh, to be transparent, with things like Noster or with things like private encrypted communication and CEO of Signal has been doing great stuff, just kind of putting out messaging for normal people. Um, even I don't want to toot his horn. I'm not sure how you all feel about this, but even I see ads all the time for like WhatsApp. And I know there's a lot of technical um, challenges there and privacy concerns. Yes, but even the message to mainstream audiences on like TV commercials that say your, your messaging should be private just for people to think about this. And then they see, oh, there's better methods for that then whatsapp but just that is new like i, I didn't grow up no, with that. It's, it's, i think it's, it's great normal, normal people yeah normal people they, they finally appreciate those things i remember when blackberry they started doing the end-to-end encrypted messages and there's a big uproar from people saying yeah. just drug dealers are just going to use it blah blah, yeah. blah blah but normal more more normal people they do want privacy and they do understand that some of these technology stacks there are yeah. you know do you there is someone listening in on your conversation and then also in on your um uh, yeah, on, on, on. but the the um, it's 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 just about decentralized. You just want decentralized control for for pretty much most things, and then uh, you erode the power of of big state and you erode the power of big corporations. And of course, of course, they're going to fight it. You know, they're going. It's just like how they fought the free and open source software movement. It's just like how they fought sort of um, for uh, general encryption on the internet because um, it, it erodes their power base and it, it it's. They want to have the max, most amount of control as they can possibly have, whether it's uh, countries or corporations, whatever. And they're going to fight it. But I think uh, a Bitcoin is by far, you know, it's it's kind of almost too big to to fight now. They should have made it more of a concerted effort to destroy it early on. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the it's, it's the holy grail of of many streams of economics when it comes to Bitcoin. You have you know Hayek with the idea of private banks and uh, um, them printing their own uh, currencies, which could people could um, choose to use or choose to not use within free markets. And then you have Keynes with his concept of the bank core, which is what he proposed in Bretton Woods, mm -hmm. which is a political value transfer rather than using the US dollar. So you don't have a, um, 
a country who's uh, got the world reserve currency. And then he had Marx with, uh, he believed that, you know, good money was something like gold, which uh, was, was apolitical and, and wasn't within the control of, of countries. Uh, but I do think that we do now have like soft currency and soft currency is used very useful for, you know, if you have like economic downturn, um, you need to be able to like create more currency to get out of that downturn. But then obviously that that's done in a centralized way and it, people get carried away with it and you end up with inflation and inflation problems. But ultimately what I'm trying to say is that decentralizing control and having like a, just, just building a political money is, is very powerful and, uh, like it's the holy grail for pretty much every strand of economics um um and yeah do you think we'll win. do you think ben rabble that um and again i one of my we hear this so much in the the bitcoin space and others like I, i'm not a doom and gloom okay the government's gonna close in and just you know what, whatever tomorrow right and i i try to keep this optimistic and, and have realistic conversations as well like i i kind of talk about it. Yeah, I think the US dollar will still be around in my lifetime. Like, you know, these di different types of conversations. I don't think it'll collapse it'll be like, imminent. imminent. Yeah. It'll be it'll be exactly like uh, free software. You know, mm -hmm. it'll just be it'll be like these big proprietary software companies will fight free software, then eventually they'll realize they've got to use it. Um, uh, countries will fight the use of some of free and open source money. Um, but then eventually they'll realize that they have to incorporate and use it. And yeah, I think you'll still always have a US dollar, but it'll be kept in check by the fact that people, and I think it is being somewhat kept in, maybe not, maybe not kept in check, but um, there is this other alternative now, which if they, if the banks take too much of the piss, then you can just mm -hmm. move your value out into it um, and, and take out of the banking system. So uh, it's, uh, I think John Nash wrote about that, yeah. the ideal yeah. money thing. It was often, having that alternative there. Often the old system doesn't go away. You know, Europe used to be governed by the church, and then monarchies uh, took control and wrested power from the church. And then, you know, a bunch of people, including a bunch of business people, ended up setting up parliaments and wrested power from the monarchies. And now we, you know, in Western Europe, you have, you know, parliamentary democracies. And then there's people fighting, you know, for alternatives and there's international stuff and there's stuff that's autonomous and not based on sort of existing within the sovereign state. But the, the church is still there. The monarchy is still there. Like the parliament is still there. And so the old systems and the old institutions, some of them, once they get baked into society, never go away, but they lose their power. You know, mm -hmm. the church is not choosing who to execute. The church is not mm -hmm. defining the laws anymore or doing it. And, you know, the monarchy is not saying you have an exclusive patent to, you know, run printing presses. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and now with the way in which the Internet has come along, the, you know, the state is struggling with the idea that they can control everything that goes on within their borders. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, with you know, my company, we have people in Poland and Spain and Uruguay and the US and New Zealand and, you know, one person who is in a different country every week. Uh, and, you know, the the state doesn't go away, but it, it struggles with how to handle the new system that we've created. And that's really powerful. And so we're not going to see the old economic institutions, the old political institutions, cultural institutions disappear. They're just going to lose their dominant power 
that they had as we built up other alternatives. And, you know, Friendster still exists, even though it's no longer important. So does MySpace. So, like, we need to... Is there still a, my, a MySpace.com? There is still a MySpace.com, yeah. I think I've actually typed that in in so long. Okay. Hmm. Um, I'll put that in the show notes, MySpace.com. Yeah. People to check well, out. But it's great. My point is like we don't need to re- we don't need to make them go away to shift the the center of power to something new, and so, mm-hmm. but we do need to make you know we need real concrete incentives. Why do I want to use this? That are, you know, people say they believe in privacy, and so given two equivalent options, they will choose the more private one. People say they believe in autonomy and transparency and choice and all these things. And given to equal alternatives with being able to talk to the same friends and get the same thing in both places, they will choose the better one. But Mm. if we, you know, one has the funny cat videos and the other one doesn't, they're going to go alone. One that has the funny cat videos. Yeah, I was gonna. That was gonna be my one. My one pushback was, and a choice between privacy and ease. Right now, they're still choosing ease. Choose so that's ease. why I said. That's why a little while ago, earlier on, I was like, okay, if someone doesn't want to use Noster, for instance, or some client because of some decentralized point, they might want to use it because they can monetize off of their content, or or they they like uh, some of their friends are on it and they're talking about it or they like the app. They're like, oh, this app is cool and Twitter keeps crashing or Twitter spaces sucks. So I'm going to use Noster Nests or something. Like, I think there's a different pull for everyone. And I don't want to extend the metaphors to Bitcoin too much, but it's a similar way to Bitcoin. I think there are so many different ways you could talk to someone about why Bitcoin is important, regardless of their politics, regardless of their gender identity, where they live. I think it's got something for for everyone. Um, same, Same thing with Noster. I'm not sure it's so so user driven either. Like so, like the adoption of m- more free open source private ways of of doing things, like WhatsApp, for example. Mm. I'm sure they weren't lobbied by their users. Like we must have privacy. Yeah, it was just like something they could do, and it's good for yeah. marketing, and it's it shows that they're a more progressive app than some other yeah. chatting apps, and this gives them kind of a bit of a USP when they're in the market. Um, uh, but yeah, no, there's a there's a you know the anarchist mantra of the better world is possible. Like you we erode power over time. Mm-hmm. You go from slavery to feudalism to capitalism and then, you know, something else, what, what, what comes next, next, you know, yeah. what, 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 yeah, whatever comes next. And I think the tooling is the important part, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, you like with widespread democracy that was made possible by the printing press. Mm-hmm. And if you have the right tooling, it makes different ways of doing things more like cooperatives are really hard to run. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then if you have the ability to easily, uh, split payments, uh, through an organization and then, each of the people in the organization instantly get the payments into their wallets when something's bought within by which the, the co- co- uh, cooperative is, is selling, then people will then vote to maybe um, have more percentage go to marketing and more percentage go to distribution, depending on, you know, so people become more engaged with the, the production process, but it's all on the right tooling and, and, and having micropayments is a new tool which we can use to build these things and having uh, free open source social network clients which have permissionless development and income build and I think is a new tool. I live in kind of like a fairly anarchist community and um years for years we would have these monthly meetings to manage our common spaces like the track. You know, it's got potholes, it needs the potholes to be filled and the 
the paths need to be done and there's some bushes which need to be cut. And over the month, if someone would, you know, they'd have an idea, oh, I'm going to fix the track, I'm going to put this new material down, blah, blah, blah. And they tell someone else and then they'd be like Chinese whispers and then they'd be gossiping and there'd be all this tension which was built up. And then you'd finally have this meeting of people and there would just be all these arguments and people would be pissed off with each other. Now we just have a WhatsApp group and mm. yeah, it's WhatsApp, whatever. But like people are constantly in communication with each other and it's just having that new tooling now means that our little community works really well. Like it's everything runs smoothly. We have these meetings and the, no one argues with each other. And it's, uh, it's, it's incredible. Like the, 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 the difference. And it was, it was, it's just having access to like a, a shared messaging app. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the right tooling, like what can we build? Like, can we both build different forms of, of production? Can we build more efficient cooperatives, which are much easier to run? I, th- I think we probably can. Yeah. One it's instrumentalism the... too. It's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's using these things in specific use cases to address to address problems right and and to your point i don't know if it was the case for whatsapp but obviously with bitcoin it was the case it was you know a group collective kind of formed over many 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 years and satoshi whoever they them individual group was it also takes every now and again someone doing quote unquote the right thing i know it's hard to define what the right thing is but every now and again it takes those charismatic leaders throughout history to also do that um those selfless acts of i'm going to create this free and open protocol then I'm going to step away or I'm going to be a person working on this team. So it is a very cool thing where it's not that someone has control or that um, this only exists because of that one person, but every now and again, it's these little blips of people doing the right thing or people going in opposition to what the ruling party was or the state and the church and things that Rappel was talking about. People, people, People want to have positive impact on the society they live in, don't mm-hmm. they, or the, or the world or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. if you can build like an apolitical money system, which everyone can have access to, then that's a good way to have quite a lot of impact. So, um, and like with, you know, with Fiat Jaff, with, with Nostar, you know, it's a, a good place for him to position himself to have the maximum impact and try and make the world a bit of a better place mm-hmm. just by building this protocol, which is easy, easy to work with. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think most people are quite nice and most people want to help each other. Yeah. And most people want to try and build a better world. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're uh, often, I mean, we're bound by the, the society in which we live in, aren't we? So something which I'm aware of in our little community is that um, because we're constantly communicating with each other and because we, we are like, we don't have like set boundaries, for example, when it comes to, to land. Mm-hmm. So often there's a lot of like, co-op, like you have to talk to people and then you have to come to, uh, you have to um, make compromises um, and they're things which are kind of taken away from human interaction in, when you just live in a city which is managed by a, a council or whatever. Um, but I think by eroding some of that decision-making and some of those conversations and getting rid of the use for them, like you end up with, a, a, I don't know, an easier society to manage, but then um, from the top, from, from a centralized point. But I think we, we, we kind of lose that bond between each other and we don't have such a great relationship with our neighbors. And, and Rabel, I heard you talking um, on a video and you were talking about how uh in protest movements you, you there's something very kind of like cathartic and there's a sense of community and everyone comes together and it, it the, it's it's sort of almost like the thing you had in the spanish revolution where people were suffering and it was a hard life but they had that connection which which meant that it was something glorious and well, we're doing it together um, yeah at, at the risk of, yeah. of being <clears throat> painfully topical uh that was what we experienced at burning man when it rained like there were a few people who were like, oh, my God, it's raining. I can't drive my art car around or, you know, the toilets are going to overflow. The toilets didn't actually overflow. Um, people <laughs> like, but so there were a few people who were like, 
oh no, crisis means society collapse. I'm going to like walk five miles in the mud to escape this, this terrible thing. And, but, which is funny that someone at Burning Man would say that out of all places, no. right? That they're <laughs> the but irony. 99% yeah. of the people were like, awesome. This is just a different thing. And now instead of wandering across this, you know, three square mile city, I'm going to go see what the people next door are doing and make sure they're okay. And so like the event actually became better because it had this adversity that brought people to connection. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that that's similar to what happens in a protest or that's similar to what happens when people react after a natural disaster. Like your normal rules of social interaction break down because you're going through something difficult. And instead of our sort of apocalyptical ideas that we get from Hollywood of, you know, a disaster brings out the most selfish in people. The evidence is that people who go through hard collective times like that actually start relating to other people around them in a more humane way. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the, the thing with Burning Man is that all of a sudden everyone was sharing everything and people were checking in on each other and making jokes around it. And it, wasn't the same event. It wasn't the same experience because of that that hardship, because you had then a common bond and a common way of reconnecting that wasn't the way in which people had connected before. And so mm. I, you know, I think that people are so excited about social software online and social media because you can connect, because you can feel part of it. You know, the the original thing that happened as Twitter started growing in the very early days, all of a sudden it felt like you could like be inside the zeitgeist human brain. Like mm. you could, instead of just me seeing this sort of the world at a distance, all of a sudden you could feel part of it. And you would say things that would were also synapses firing in the brain. And so, you know, what, what we're doing with Noster is saying, you know, we don't have to have it just be about these tweets, <clears throat> but we can we can exist in this collective brain in in so many ways in so many kinds of apps and that's super exciting mm -hmm. yeah so would you say that was one of your favorite burning man experiences then uh, this year with the rain absolutely and in fact i was telling people before it rained like when we had the forecast that was going to rain i'm like i really hope it really pours <laughs> nice. i actually kind of feel like it's yeah. not it's almost it's it's Restoring more of a natural state of humans collectively being in a set in a shared space because you would have to work together with your your, your tribe or your local mm -hmm. community or whatever. And I I kind of feel that like you know, it's the divide and conquer thing, isn't it? That there's there's certainly incentive and forces pushing people apart from each other, whether it's you know corporate interest and um, in the plight of the individual or whether it's the uh, 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 um, whether it's a state trying to kind of erode those bonds between each other so they don't protest, but um, I, 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 do, you, do you think it's 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 maybe less that it, it's pushing people into like an into where they have to cooperate with each other, and it's, it's maybe more that it's it's eroding that stuff which keeps us apart in our everyday lives, you know, um, and restoring something which is very very human and very natural. Mm. I think so. I think that the, you know, I think 
we're seeing all this conflict because all of a sudden we can hear each other and we can be more connected. And, and the, the tension existed before you just couldn't see it or hear it. You know, there was this idea when there was a few, you know, with the advent of the radio and then the advent of television and national television broadcasts, all of a sudden we had this idea that, you know, everybody in a country is the same, which didn't exist before radio and television and authoritarian governments only came to exist because of the radio. Like you couldn't have authoritarian states in the way that we look at the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany or a bunch of others. You know, you couldn't have that without radio being able to sort of unify you against the idea of the voice of a single leader. And so now, instead of being able to get a single voice out to a whole country, we get every voice out to a whole country, and it opens up the opposite set, potentially the opposite set of politics, where we're, we're participating not once every four years to vote, but, you know, every minute of every day. And, and that's super chaotic. But it's also, you know, you know, we're human and it's really special. Mm. Yeah, again, it's the, it's the right tooling, isn't it, which, which allows, I mean, obviously we're we have a lot of us have political or live in political systems where which were built and designed in a time when you didn't have like a mobile phone in your pocket the whole time so yeah absolutely there's no reason we couldn't have more referendums and, and voting you know daily or weekly voting um uh but that's a really interesting concept that before radio you didn't i suppose you didn't have like the mass propaganda which you're able to have through um yeah state television isn't it yeah and i think people like Kind of, they got comfortable with it, didn't they? Like they've been able to trust the the journalists, been able to trust the the BBC, and uh, and and now they're thrown into this world where they have to really kind of dig deep, more and more as well, particularly with all the A stuff, where they, they can't trust what they're seeing and hearing, and as much as they could before. Um, and I know with some of the older generation, they 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 fall into a lot of these conspiracy theories. I think a lot of people do fall into these conspiracy theories because they they still have that old hang up where they can, if there's someone stood there and they look official and they're being streamed through video, then what they're saying must, in fact, be true. The conspiracy theories aren't new, really. If you go down to the the core of a lot of them, a lot of the conspiracy theories that, you know, Hitler used to, to take power or Mussolini or Franco or all these folks, they're actually kind of these sort of anti-Semitic tropes and stories and things like that. And in many ways, the core of a lot of the conspiracy theories we have today are actually the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And now, though, uh, the way in which those theories spread and how they act is different, but it's not like conspiracy theories haven't been around for a long time. I mean, what do you think a witch trial is? Mm-hmm. Except like a collective hallucination and conspiracy theory that somehow the, you know, the woman who is unmarried and going off and knows how to use herbs and like does medicine is like causing the weather to mess up or causing people to get sick. Like that's a conspiracy theory. Mm. Um, and so, you know, people have been prone to conspiracy theories as long as we've been people. Um, we need. I think with more access to, to data that people, because it seems to be a lot of people are, are falling for conspiracy theories or maybe they've just got more access to conspiracy theories and, 
what looks like legitimate data to um but it seems like a lot more normal people now they they think some pretty wacky far out stuff you know yeah. um, whereas before i suppose they were they were protected by journalism and journalists we, we built up yeah. a set of institutions that protected society from a bunch of conspiracy theories and it was a rough process like you know the the second world war was a really rough process but part of what we got out of it was a whole bunch of institutions and norms and ways of, of running society and the media and government to try and prevent people from being susceptible to the conspiracy theories that led to that conflict. You know, the First World War started over all sorts of weird conspiracy kill theories about killing this Archduke of, of well, I don't remember where he was, but in Sarajevo. Like, that was mm. totally driven by conspiracy theories. So, like, we had tens of millions of people killed in wars that were driven by conspiracy theories. And then as the outcome of that, not just did we get like the Bretton Wood institutions and we got the United Nations and we got things like the BBC and, and we, but we also got the journalistic ethics of the New York times saying, okay, this is or isn't real. And we got a bunch of people deciding that I'm going to believe this source and not this other one. And now once we opened up the gates, open up a kind of Pandora's box of everyone getting a, a voice and a platform. We, we need to teach people new ways of media literacy around it. And we need to build into our software new ways of amplifying the anti-conspiracist voices. And it's not, you know, you don't debunk someone's conspiracy theory by saying you're wrong. And in fact, a conspiracy theorist, someone who believes in it, getting evidence that their theory is wrong actually psychologically reinforces their belief in the incorrect theory. Um, what changes us is a not arguments of fact, but instead human connection to someone who can talk to you and reason with you and connect to you who has a different point of view. And so, you know, our solution to the problem of conspiracy theories isn't to return to the centralized, you know, BBC, New York Times government deciding what is and isn't considered legitimate. Instead, it is building software where we have the ability to show and track and tag and, and document of things about conspiracies. You know, Wikipedia is a collectively edited project that does a really good job of weeding out conspiracy theories and like double checking the facts. And so we think mm. of conspiracy theories of running ripe over social media, but Wikipedia is social media and it does a really good job of double checking that stuff through collaborative wikis and through editing rules and through communities of people who double check stuff. And so like Fiat Joff's new subjective federated wiki stuff, we could build shared documentation on things that isn't centered in one point of view, but does let us put a, you know, breaks on things that were going viral and say, you know, actually this is, you know, wait a second. Let's, let's have a conversation about this. What's this? What's this? I've not heard of this federation. I mean, you seen it. He, he posted on it, it uh, a no. few days ago. So, you know, by the time the podcast will up, but basically, you know, using CRDTs and collaborative documents. So you do an anchor of a document, which is like, this is the page. And then uh, the version I see is the edits of all the people that I'm subscribed to in Nostr. 
and all the CRDTs they do they do operate you know transforms on it that edit the page, and, but your version is going to be different because you exist in a different spot in the network. You're subscribed to different people's content, and so we will see the same page, but we'll see the edits from our own perspective in the social network, which is amazing. Mm. Um, so you know we can have one page about. Bitcoin or trans rights and what one person sees and what someone else sees is based on their, their social circle. So it's like community notes, like Twitter community notes, but tailored to who you follow, subscribe to that kind of thing. You know, the community notes on Twitter. Everybody can do submit edits to the notes that do transformation, but, but each person's view of it is from their perspective in the network. Yeah. How do you find truth then? Because you're yeah, going to be. Say that's the it's it's going you know. to reinforce whatever opinion you have by your social group. We all have the same weird opinion you have. You know. Yeah. Um, how do you, then? How do you how do you find how do you find truth? How do you find? It's a good thing to have, as like you say, as like notes, um, community notes. But I'm trying to think. How would you then well, sift through? A good example would be truth? like say say you had a document and it was a scientific document, or something. You know, it was something that's like really easy to pin down to fact. You could have people who do edits that represent, like not every person doing edits is the same. You could have one person, which is like, I'm a medical doctor and I'm editing the pages on, on viruses or on vaccines. And so you can have people who are saying, say, you know, yes, I want my social graph, but I want this person who is a medical doctor who, who does research on vaccines I want their edits to apply to my page. Hmm. I guess it's the lesser of two evils because you already have that, right? If you follow someone only follows specifically far left-leaning politicians or far right-leaning, they're already choosing their echo chamber anyway. So I guess it's the trade-off in this situation. I guess at a lot of, not a lot of Nostra, but it's like the, the individual is curating content. Is that better than a centralized force curating content? Does that solve the problem of people's addiction to social media, addiction to misinformation, not necessarily. No, I don't but know. We have to also teach on. people to think critically. Like, yeah, so these people it, yeah, it, don't, we it, need to it, teach it, critical it, thinking. It's, it's not really solvable in these equations, maybe. But part of critical thinking is is being able to sift through data and finding the right, inf- well, but trying to sift through information and find the right information, isn't it? So mm-hmm. I think this might make that easier because you, you, yeah, I agree. you'll pull in, because the human mind, just by you know, us being able to walk and talk and put code into computers. Like it's hungry for, for good data and it wants to learn stuff. Um, and But you can easily like bypass that mm. by, by feeding it crap data, which sounds legitimate. But, so I wonder if this comes, because there's been somewhere in, in Bitcoin, there's been a, this big drive chain debate. Um, there's a bunch of people in Bitcoin, who, there's a proposal to build these side chains called drive chains, but they allow like, a lot of extra functionality on Bitcoin. And um, there's a, a, a very kind of like reactionary response from the Bitcoin community that they, they, they just hate it, you know, and there's, there's, there's no, there's a very sort of binary, good, bad, mm-hmm. this is a bad thing, uh, where it's actually kind of a powerful tool sense of good things about it. Um, I wonder if that, cause I know he's been struggling, per, struggling personally to try and communicate these complex ideas. I wonder if that's maybe a way, um, maybe it's like a tool for him, for himself to be able to, uh, build up those, you know, construct those ideas in a way which is is easier for him than to present to somebody else, I suppose. Mm. Um, 
that they shared wiki pages. It's really interesting. And say, look at these comments from others, other technical folks in the Bitcoin community. Is that what you're saying? Kind of like yeah, people we're, being we're, able to comment on like different white papers of, of drive chain or different proposals. He could ask this community yeah. to, to, to contribute to the documents so they could collaboratively edit them and define who's, mm. whose edits are pulled in. Yeah, and if you've got a debate like that, then mm -hmm. you can say, okay, well, this is, you're completely against it, okay? And this is from your social graph. This is this version of the document, right? Read it. Now read my version of the document from my graph of engineers mm -hmm. and computer scientists and whatever else, and then compare and contrast which one sounds, you know, well, more into a large language model to just tell me what the differences are. <laughs> that's what we need yeah, to that's it. Yeah, AI, tell me the answer, please. <laughs> yeah, gosh, this conversation went all over. Uh, this was great. Well, I, I want to pull on a couple of things, Rabble, too, that you were saying. And also one thing that I've gleaned a bit from from several different books, but I think Lynn Alden, I don't want to put too many words in her mouth too, but articulates it well. Kind of the a lot of times throughout history, it seems the rise of populism for whatever degree also can really happen when people's individual situations are, are, are pretty shitty, um, especially when it comes to money. So obviously in Germany, that was a huge reason for the rise of the Nazi revolution and, and this whole kind of cause. And, and again, I, I think in my college days, I used to be very, very reductionist with class situations and, and Marxism. It was very appealing. I think as I get older, I see a bit more nuance um, in things. And unfortunately, the world isn't as black and white as I think a lot of us would like it to be in terms of problems and solving them. So this, this podcast won't solve it or these conversations, but Turns I will out say you see yeah, I know it sucks. It's very complicated. Uh, it's beautiful though. The it's two sides of the same coin. So in terms of, you know, folks not having their resources. So I think a lot of times what happens is you were talking about, um, and I think it was really beautiful, Ben and Rabble, what we were talking about in terms of like, okay, kind of a natural state is this people coming together and figuring things out. And then I'm also like, okay, when does that fade? At what point does that, because you know, to use one example in the US, I think the sense we got, and it was kind of an older hierarchy of media structure as well, but what happened during 9-11, right? This horrible uh, event in terms of, you know, kind of shaped my childhood and coming after that, but also you saw portrayed, but also you kind of felt it individually. At least I remember for myself and my family and friends and everyone just, everyone felt very American, right? Like, like shortly after this event, we're like, we got to come together. Life is so short. Look at all of these this is a horrible thing that that happened and these these folks that that died this tragic death this terrorism we all need to come together people were kind of a bit more patriotic a bit more taking care of themselves a bit more looking and at then, their and then it weaponizes yes so that's my point is at what point and there's not there's no i'm wondering if there is a script or, or there's a there's a, a point where they take catastrophe and some folks will will talk about covid in this way as well i wouldn't go as extreme with that i think there's some similarities but but 911 was a, a very specific tragic thing you know the worst the worst crisis that's happened in the united states on our soil in terms of this uh, terrorist attack and then the way it was weaponized and then you, you look uh, at that and since then the division has gone deeper and deeper because then people's lives started to get a bit worse as well after the 2008 great financial crisis and back to my point of saying people can't pinpoint why exactly so they're they're taking it out on other forms they're taking it out on this group and that group and conspiracies abound and uh you know the government whether nefariously or just ignorantly creates these policies right like the patriot act and everything that's that's happened after that and i, I yeah, think James around for a great... long time they were they were waiting oh yeah to take it over you know uh, yep. naomi klein has this book called the shock doctrine which i mm -hmm. highly recommend 
Uh, it's a great book. And what she talks about is that how sometimes we end up in these moments of crises where there's a shock to the system and people are able to push through things that they were trying to push through anyway. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there was a whole bunch of people who wanted to, through the Patriot Act, they wanted to get rid of a whole bunch of civil rights that we had, privacy of communication and, and political organizing. And so that was sitting there waiting for people's wave of real grief and community and connection that happened after 9-11. Mm -hmm. But then they took it and they used it to advocate for, because people are like, we must do something. But what mm -hmm. they ended up advocating for wasn't addressing the issue because, you know, we we lost more people in the United States on many days of the COVID pandemic from COVID than mm -hmm. died on 9-11. But yeah. it was spread out. It wasn't spectacular. Uh, you know, a virus is hard to blame. It's not a good enemy. And mm -hmm. so we didn't, you know, we did mobilize. We mobilized tremendous amount of uh, economic aid to people. And yes, it was super messy. Uh, but, uh, and medical mobilizations and vaccine work and everything else. But it, it, it was harder than these are the, you know, these are the people that are the enemy. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we, when we have lots of uncertainty, when things are changing a lot, people often want structure and order and someone to tell them it's going to be okay. And that they like, they just need to solve this one thing. And so that's why people become more religious. You know, they get into more sort of fundamentalist religions and they fall in behind, you know, populist leaders. And, um, you know, we don't, you know, there's this idea of acceleration, accelerationism where we just need to make things worse and worse and worse, and then the current system will collapse, and then we will be able to replace it with a much better system. But mm -hmm. uh, the history of social change shows us that it's not fear that leads to better situations, it's hope. This is mm Hedda -hmm. Red stuff where she studied, you know, on the rise of totalitarianism, which is like, how do you stop, you know, Hitler or Stalin taking power and, and or the current day stuff of like, you know, what's going on in Turkey or Hungary or a bunch of other places. You stop that by giving people viable hope for an alternative. Mm -hmm. And so what, you know, what we need to do. And that's why is North like, Korea is so insular and, and yeah, yeah, a place like they don't have that any is so devo is devoid of hope. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, Shock Doctrine was a great book because I mean the Shock Doctrine itself is is what they tried to do in in the USSR and then also in um, uh, when they went into Afghanistan as well. No, sorry, Iraq as well. Um, and it's it's the idea of being able to just turn a society upside down and then and have it have a revolution and then everything's better. And, and you do within history you have these revolutions like you know the French Revolution or something. But then what you have is this huge power vacuum. And then the thing you end up with is often worse than the thing you started with. Um, mm -hmm. In the USSR, you know, Mikhail um, Bakunin very correctly predicted that Marx's idea of this proletariat revolution would just create the Red Scare, and then the, it would be far worse than whatever than the feudalism which came before. Um, uh, which he was very correct on on, on that. Um, so, but it, it, it's all about like stability, like you say, like humans. We like to pretend that humans are very resilient, but they're really not very resilient. And uh, if you put them in in stressful scenario situations and they make weird decisions and they they become suspicious of each other and things um 
and like economically, like this is why, you know, I'm going to go back to Keynes again, which is supposed to be annoying some Bitcoiners. It's very annoying with Bitcoin is how they're obsessed with Austrian. I mean, Austrian economics is great. Yeah, well, absolutely. But read all the different types. Read of, all know, the different economic Keynes, Keynesian read, read as well. They all. think that Keynes is yeah, a so black Keynes, white figure. So Keynes, yeah. yeah. So Keynes' whole point was that you have a, you have peaks and troughs in an economic cycle. You have a reduction. You have crashes. You have a Great Depression, and then when you have a Great Depression, everyone's really hungry, and the, the, and the, 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 that resentment can be weaponized against you know the Jews or can be weaponized against whoever in order to get these populist leaders. We had it in the UK when we had after two thousand and eight. We had um, uh, we had the the Brexit vote and the Brexit vote. You know, it'll annoy people by me saying this, but there was like a racist element to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were blaming these Syrian refugees. They, this, all our issues which you have in our country, it's, it's not an internal issue. It's yeah, actually these poor Syrian refugees yeah, who are walking across continents to come to our country because they feel it's a great, safe place to be. Um, they're, they're actually our problem. And then so we then become more, more insular and we, become, we separate away from the European Union. And like the European Union is a peace project. Like we had two wars in close succession, the First and Second World War. Uh, when you... We have all these countries quite close together, and then if they're all separated economically, they're not within the same trade zone. Um, then uh, maybe they're not using the same currency. Then you'll, you'll start to find that they—it's just easy to blame. Like, well, what, what are our problems? Okay, it's the French. The French are our problem, and then the Germans don't like the French either. Okay, and it's like, okay, you can sort these French people out and go to war with them. But the French are allies with the Italians, and, and then all of a sudden you have another world war. So it's instability, which and at, you look at the the wars that all the great catastrophes have happened um, and, and physical conflict. And there's usually economic war or depression or some economic downturn, which happened quite recently before it. Um, and people are aware of that. And that's why they need to keep the, the wheels of the economy moving. Why in 2008, we didn't, the economy wasn't allowed to go into a great depression um, was, was for that very reason. Cause we were trying to avoid like conflict. We don't want conflict, but we've still seen it. We've still seen the rise of these populist leaders and you know, what, why, why am I, why is my life circumstance as not as good as it was, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago? And oh, it's, be, it's not because, you know, this is a big complicated problem. It's because of these people over here. And someone tells me that story and then it's, it's very appealing. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll vote for that person who told me that story. Um, and they just double down on that, whatever conspiracy. And then you end up with people being oppressed. And uh, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, stability. And, and <laughs> going back to the, the revolution and, and things changing uh, and us talking about that slow revolution, about these things being infected with things like Nostor, things like Bitcoin, banks probably just ending up using something like Bitcoin. We don't want the world's economy to suddenly collapse and then it's replaced by Bitcoin mm-hmm. because it, that would be horrible and it probably wouldn't last very long. And what we end up with would, would be not as good as what we had before. We want Bitcoin to slowly infiltrate and, and just offer this alternative free and open source money um, in a political value transfer, uh, and it, we want a slow revolution. You know, we we, di- we don't want a, a sudden shock doctrine type revolution. Um, and and we, you know, <clears throat> there's some psychological factors in this, which is we notice behavioral economics that we care a lot more about things that are lost than things that are gained. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So take someone away, something away from someone, and we feel that loss more than being given that same thing. And so, you know, one of the one of the tricks with this is as society changes, as these things shift, as economies, we notice the things we lose more than the things we gain. Like, you know, and so that creates all these tricky dynamics that pushes people into, you know, pursuing authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the best hopes for Noster and Bitcoin. I think they're on different different journeys, different life cycles. Noster being so much newer. I, I think me personally, I talked to a lot of people about this. I think I think Bitcoin is is here and staying, and it just depends on level of adoption, speed, all of this. Noster is still a question mark. I think because of community stuff, because of how um, we can really integrate and, and get people to, to buy in and see this. But I think different iteration of decentralized social and, and web, yes, that, that will continue on. But I think the best hope we have, yeah, for, for Nostra and Bitcoin and some of the best advocates are the ones saying, yeah, Bitcoin, if, if, if it's to be you know new money, we don't want to see a collapse of something like you said overnight. That would be terrible for people, but kind of a slow almost like a slow trolling as well, which I think I, obviously there's so many different conversations about memes and the use of memes. And just, I think one of the best ways to advocate, to protest, to utilize something is build this better structure that works and have people slowly use it and be like, JP Morgan, we don't need you anymore. Like screw off. Like, like our US government, okay, sure. You say you're going to do this, but we know it's just going to keep happening this way. We're going to go use our Bitcoin. We're going to go use, uh, you know, Bitcoin at merchants. We're going to hold it in Bitcoin, that kind of thing. Same thing with Nostra. It's like, Okay, Elon, I'm sorry you bought this and are now severely in debt and need to make all this money. We're gonna we're gonna use Costa instead of, of Twitter. It's just not working. And that slow trolling, that slow, you know, evolution into society is the way these things these things went out, specifically for Nostra and Bitcoin. I don't know about all social movements, but for that, I feel that especially with Bitcoin and Nostar. This is why I like the architecture of Nostar because you go from that, you know, you have like dumb servers, smart clients, mm. which then empowers users. And that's, that's, that's basically what we're trying to do uh, to create freer people is, is to take those centralized power structures and then wither them and, and dissolve them, make them superfluous. Uh, but by doing that, it then empowers people because mm -hmm. the, the power shifts downwards as opposed to being, you know, top heavy and then we end up with a... Um, and more bottom heavy uh, uh, in our power structures and, and Nostar just fundamentally in its architecture has has that paradigm as opposed to the old paradigm which we used to which was smart servers and dumb clients yeah yeah well long story short and we'll have to have another conversation on this i feel like we could talk for for hours about a bunch of this um the things we were talking about but but long story short i think there's incredible hope in things like Nostar and bitcoin and an open source software. And I think you, you both pulled on a lot of these threads that I, that I knew we would in this conversation. So I think people will, will really um, enjoy this, but, you know, before we jump off, uh, you know, the next few months, the next year, what are you, what are you both uh, excited about in terms of, we talked about some of it, but in terms of Noster, in terms of, you know, open source social media protocols, um, what are some of the things you, you both are most excited about in the space? Well, I'm I'm excited about the the great convergence of all these different open protocols and these open systems. I'm excited about actually using all this new large language model stuff, especially when if it if it's open source and controlled by users. I'm excited about the fact that we have the opportunity to rebuild the entire sort of enclosed centralized social media stack of all the different apps in an open way. And uh, this is something that we've known, at least I've known that we wanted for 15 years, but now we get to do it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Ben, what about you? Yeah, I, th I think partly we get to do it because we just have that m all these amazingly qualified free and open source developers. There wasn't that many developers before and there wasn't that many free and open source developers before, but it's like an army Um uh, in these permissionless developer environments, just building all this client software. 
Um, so it's, 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 uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible to see with Nostar. And I, th- I th- would truly think that Nostar is like, it's the everything app of freedom. So I'm, I'm, I want to see more applications that have been used in some more interesting ways. Um, I want to see the development of a rep- good reputation solutions for reputation systems. Cause I think that's a, um, kind of like a, a missing piece to the puzzle. Mm. Um, there's some, there's some great proposals on that. Um, it's obviously a very hard problem to solve, but there are some great proposals which, which, could be functional. And I think as soon as you get reputation, then you have Ubers and then you have you know, better marketplaces. Um, and I actually want like, just like, you know, with Bitcoin, we try and give unbanked people access to Bitcoin. We, we, we like the idea of unbanked people having access to Bitcoin. Um, I think like industries and services which are, don't have like software solutions built for them, that them be having access to um, uh, free and open source software and having more autonomy, I think could empower them and could make their, their working story safer. So I, I really feel like, um, like Nostar could be very powerful for like sex workers, for example. Um, and I want to see more, more people building, particularly if you have reputation systems on both sides of the trade. Um, and it could be, could be, could be get very good for, for, for safety and stuff. So I, I kind of want to see more of that. I want to see, uh, just blue sky, blue sky thinking, blue sky thinking in Bitcoin, <laughs> in Nostar. Um, for different clients and building that everything app of freedom. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. That that might be the name of this episode is the Nostra, the everything app of freedom. Well, we also talked about a dozen different things. So uh, we'll see about title, but um, thank you both so much for jumping on. Uh, before we jump off, because people sometimes won't read the show notes, uh, Ben and Ravel, do you want to tell people where they can follow you, where they can look into to things you're working on and care about? Sure. I mean, nos.social, nos.social is my Nostra app. And <clears throat> I'm a rabble on Nostra if there's a bunch of different ways you can look me up and on all the other different social media platforms. Uh, and yeah, uh, I post on Nostra all the time talking about what we're working on and what we're building. And I'm excited to uh, engage in a larger conversation. Cool. Um, so yeah, Ben Ark, if you can get to, you know, all my sort of social networks that way on, uh, Nostar, ben, dot, ben at Nostar.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Check out Alan bits. Um, uh, got a bunch of great extensions in there for running around relays, those sorts of things. And it's pretty easy to, to run. So yeah, check it out. Yeah. But Ben Ark. Awesome. Ben, real quick before I forget too, I know is it still uh listed Noster.com for sale? I know you had you had put up notes uh trying to sell the domain, the uh the very highly coveted yeah, Noster.com. It was, it, was really, it was really interesting the the sort of the response and the feedback from the, the community um of, of people. I mean, all people were concerned, which of course they should be. Um I've been in Nostar for like a long time and I'm here to make the world a better place. And I'm not going to go selling the, that, that domain to, to some corrupt body entity person or whatever. I just thought I was like, if, you know, Roger Ver back in 2013 had put Bitcoin.com on the mm-hmm. market and someone, some better player had bought it and done something more useful with it. Like, would that have been a good thing? I mean, am I the, the, the best person to have this thing? So I put it up. Um, for a ridiculous amount of money, I had a lot of interest from shitcoiners because they seem to have really fat bags. So you did uh, so get a lot of interest. interest. What was it? Five million? What'd you would you say? I can talk. Yeah, I can talk. I had a bunch of Solana guys reach out to me, and they of wanted course. yeah five million dollars. And uh, I guess they would make like a Nostar ICO, 
um, or something, and they would probably make a ton of money. Yeah. But so yeah, no, that's not happening. Um, <laughs> I know exactly. It's painful, isn't it? But with Alan Bits, we have um, we have the company Alan Bits Inc. And we made the company to kind of give us an excuse to work more on the software um, and build products uh, based on the software. Just you know that, that classic dynamic between like WordPress.com and WordPress.org yep. um, is a way of kind of funding development, but then also yeah, like actually having a use case where we're because we're like built we're kind of second guessing we're building an accounts wallet system but we aren't actually running it for anything ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're just sort of second guessing what people want. Um, so yeah, so we, we did that with Alan Bits. And uh, I think what's going to happen, because I don't just want to be the sole uh, like owner of Nostar.com mm-hmm. or manager of Nostar.com. Uh, the arrangement I have with Fiat Jeff is he can just put whatever he wants on any subdomain and help manage the um, the, the main page. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'll, we're gonna, we want to have some services. So like we want a Nostar.com relay, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, we want to also probably sell the NIP fives, um, and then then we'll use that then to just fund a small team, which can try and make the the site as useful as possible mm-hmm. without selling out or you know being evil. Um, but yeah, it's it's an important way it to it's important because people don't know like it's the when you just like hear about Nostra, you're gonna go to nostra.com and see it. So yeah, yeah for the clear for the clear net people, like it's it's their first point of contact, isn't it? And it's it's. Still with Bitcoin.com now, because mm-hmm. that's, and if you know Rubble, that's in the hands of someone who moved away from Bitcoin and created a separate thing. But he still he claims that separate thing is Bitcoin. So now we have this Bitcoin.com thing. And honestly, a lot of people, they Google Bitcoin, they end up on Bitcoin.com, and then they end up buying this, like, um, this, this, you know, forked version of Bitcoin. So uh, we wouldn't want that type of thing to happen with, with Nostar. So it's, it's something we've experienced before in the Bitcoin community. Yep. And it is a very powerful domain for that reason, because it's where people do end up. So yeah, we, it's not something I, I take lightly. And, uh, Hopefully now, so we're gonna we're gonna take the domain, we're gonna give it to LM Bits to manage, which means we can build a small team and we can try and make it useful, build some services on it, um, and uh, and then it's not just you know something I have to worry about then. Yeah. Cool, awesome. Well, thank you both so much. Appreciate you both sticking on and having such a good conversation. I think people will really enjoy. Um, go go and check out their their work. Follow them on socials. Engage, interact. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you too. Um, and we'll have to do this again sometime. This was fun. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Bye.